Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. Well, listen, if you're a first-time guest, so grateful that you're in the house today. My name is Matt, my wife Jackie and I. We have the privilege of pastoring this incredible church called Fountain. And we've been in a series entitled Breakthrough. Breakthrough. And I want to speak to you today from the subject of staying the course. Staying the course. Look at your neighbor, say staying. Look at your second choice and say the course. The course. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much. Lord, we're not here to play church. We're here to encounter you, Jesus. And so I pray that, uh, Lord, as we open up your word, that every word from my mouth would truly be from your heart. That's just not lingo that we say. But, Lord, you said that, uh, Paul said that it wouldn't be a demonstration of eloquent speech, but of power. That our, our hope wouldn't rest on man's wisdom, but rather the power of God. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would speak to us so clearly today as we open up your word. Um, I pray that as we study it, you would study us. And, God, that your word would cut right through every aspect of our heart and uh, give us great wisdom and insight um, on where we're killing it <laughs> and where we need to change. Uh, we love you so much in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, I've been so excited preaching through this series. I've had a lot of fun. Matter of fact, I've chained up, changed up some of my prep time. And so I'm spending a lot more time in prayer and worship on the front end. And actually, my sermon prep has been a lot shorter when it comes to the actual content. I mean, I'm still studying diligently. But it's amazing when you just put God first in, area, um, in areas. It's amazing what he does. So, so we've been in this series called Breakthrough. And we've been defining a breakthrough as this. A sudden and dramatic advance. A sudden and dramatic advance. Now, many of us are contending for breakthrough in certain areas of our life, financial relationships. Uh, we're contending for breakthrough maybe in your spiritual life, in your walk with God. Maybe you've been a little stagnant. Maybe you've been just lacking purpose. There's this deep, you know, longing on the inside of you that there's got to be more to life than this. Maybe you're really successful, but you just feel like it's not enough. And you're just wondering, man, what in the world? And you, you can't really put it into words, but you would just say, I need a, I need a breakthrough in this area. Now, now, breakthroughs are, are awesome, a sudden and dramatic advance, but how many of you guys know it doesn't always feel so sudden? Especially if you've been waiting for a long period of time for a breakthrough in a particular area. Are you with me? Now, now there was a, a, a story um, that was told in a book that I'm reading. It's called Chop Wood and Carry Water. And this guy tells this story uh, about a man by the name of John who had a desire to be a, a, a Japanese, a sam I'm sorry, a samurai archer. And the training camps, all the training camps for samurais are in Japan. And so he had this lifelong dream as, as a boy that he would go to Japan and become a samurai archer. Well, a series of events happened, and he ended up getting that opportunity to do that. So he travels to Japan, and he's so excited. He finds his base camp, and He's going to be that guy. You know, he's probably watched Braveheart and, and you know, Gladiator. And he's like, I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be a samurai archer. And so as he, he gets there, he's thinking he's going to just start shooting bow and arrows, like, right away. And his sensei, like Mr. Miyagi or his teacher, Karate Kid back in the day, just dated myself quite a bit. But, but his, uh, his sensei got up with him the next morning and said, hey, you ready for the day? And he's like, man, I'm pumped. He said, all right, this is what you're going to be doing. You're going to be chopping wood and carrying water all day. He's like, what? I, I thought I was coming to shoot bow and arrows. He said, no, you're going to chop wood and carry water all day. He said, let me, let me explain. We have all the modern technologies except heat and water. And so we all got to pull our weight. 
So he says, well, when will I get to shoot the bow and arrow and, you know, become this samurai? He said, oh, just, it'll come. It'll come. So the next day he gets up. He's still excited about the day. And what does he do? Chops wood, carries water all day. And he gets uh, uh, some, uh, some information that they're going to be doing some training. So he's excited because it's only the second day. And he's going to actually get to shoot some arrows and all that good stuff. And so, so they get to the training portion of the day. They've been chopping wood, carrying water all day, just hating life. And he gets to the training portion, and his, his, his teacher says, okay, we're going to work on standing today. He's like, standing? I know how to stand. I want to shoot some, some arrows. That's why I'm here. Probably paid big money to be there. So I want to I shoot some arrows. He said, what's the big difference if I stand a little inch off or an inch to the left or an inch to the right? And so the teacher said, well, let me show you how big of a difference that is. And so he, he sets him up, aligns him perfectly, allows him to shoot an arrow right down the target. And then he, he just moves him a half of an inch, and it goes off into the forest. He said, it's a pretty big deal. So it was one of those first lessons, like don't question the teacher, right? And then he's, you know, so he, he got a little bit of taste of the action. But then every single day as days went on, chopping wood, carrying water. He's like, man, when are we going to start advancing? And so all of a sudden they, they were able to start shooting arrows, but the target was only seven feet in front of them. Could you imagine just shooting seven feet? I mean, anybody could do that, right? So he's like, come on, when are you going to, like, teach us to be the samurai? He's just like, man, this guy is crazy. He just doesn't get it. And, and so he just every day, chop wood, carry water, seven feet in front of him, seven feet in front of him every single day. And so finally, he just starts getting agitated. It's like, man, how, how long is this going to take me? He says, well, while I'm here, I'm going to be the best at carrying water and chopping wood. So he grabs more wood than anybody else, and he starts carrying tons of water. He trips, sprains his ankle, and the teacher's staring at him like, mm-hmm. He said, well, I'm just trying to advance. And he said, how long is it going to take me to be a samurai archer? Teacher looks with a smile and says, about 10 years. He's like, 10 years? He said, well, that's because you got me chopping wood and carrying water all day. What if I don't do that? Teacher said, oh, it'll take you about 20 years. <laughs> so then he's just, you know, frustrated and, and kind of still He's going through the motions. He's getting really good. And so he's like, what if I spend every waking hour, but I don't chop wood and carry water? How long will it take me? He said, well, then, about 30 years. He's like, what? And I think a lot of us feel like that in the process of waiting for the breakthrough. But, but he, here's the truth, and, and I want you to jot this down, that God is far more concerned with who we are becoming over where we are going. It's true. I know that preaches really well. It doesn't feel good, though. But God, God is far more important, far more interested in what's happening on the inside of us in the process of waiting than he is on the actual destination. In fact, there was a time when Jesus' disciples, uh, he sent them out, and they went uh, just doing the work of the ministry. And they came back to Jesus, and they reported. They said, man, we're super pumped. Demons are listening to us. This is awesome. Right? Like we tell them to come out and they obey us. And look what Jesus tells them. He says, hey, guys, however, that's awesome. I've given you power and authority over all that stuff. However, do not rejoice that spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Like, like just don't rejoice so much in, in what I'm doing through you. First, you should be so pumped at what I'm doing on the inside of you. 
And, and I, think, I think many times, because in between the, the breakthrough, where we're at, where we're currently at, and the breakthrough, there's a process. Like, 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 and it's tough to wait. But if you don't hear anything else that I say today, I, I need you to hear this. I think one of the keys to breakthrough, if you're taking notes, jot this down. One of the keys to breakthrough is staying through. Staying through. Staying through the pain while you're waiting. Staying through the disappointment. Staying through the discouragement. Even staying, uh, uh, staying through the mundane. Because you know how sometimes it just feels like you're just spinning your wheels, you're just going through the motions, and it doesn't feel like anything's really happening. It just feels like you're fixing your alignment, you're just shooting seven feet in front of you, and it's just, oh, man. But, but to stay through, stay through the pain, stay through the disappointment, stay through even some of the dysfunction as God is building you. Stay through. Stay through some of the discouragement when God's time frame is not lining up with yours. Stay through. And I think we see this. I think we see this all throughout Scripture, but I think a great picture of this is, is you have Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane where his, his sweat became like drops of blood because he's getting ready to, to absorb the wrath of God as a result for the sins of humanity. That's a pretty big weight to bear. And there's just this intense battle in the garden before the cross, but he stays through. And then the cross comes, and you know how horrific the cross was, but he stays through. Like he could have just called it on the, he could have called it on the cross. He said, you know what, man, I'm done with this. The light lit everybody on fire and called it a day. <laughs> but he stayed through. And then what happened? The resurrection. But ladies and gentlemen, there was no resurrection. There could be no resurrection if there wasn't a garden and if there wasn't a cross. This idea that we have to stay through in the midst of the pain. We have to stay through in the midst of, of the discouragement, in the midst of the disappointment. We have to continue to stay through. Because sometimes it's in the waiting that we experience our greatest breakthrough. And we talked about this last week that, that God wants to give you a breakthrough before the breakthrough. Because if, if that doesn't happen, like God just isn't concerned with where you're going or the breakthrough that you need. But rather he's concerned with what's happening on the inside of you. And that, some things can only be developed on the inside of us through the process. Are you guys tracking with me on that? The hard part is that it's a process. Like the moment things aren't happening the way we anticipated them to happen, we love to change directions right away. Right, like the web page is taking 30 seconds to upload. I need a new browser. Right, you're calling Comcast. Like, I just upgraded, and this thing is taking forever, right? Like, we just don't like to wait. Or maybe you guys have experienced this. Hey, I prayed to you yesterday, God, and nothing has changed. <laughs> nothing has changed. Like, this is the most frustrating thing on the planet. When things aren't going right, we love, love to take the reins back. We love to change, and we love to go our own way. Now, here's the deal is that I think the frustrating part is we all know that God is able to move suddenly. That's, that's what makes us upset, isn't it? Like, you could do this. Come on. Ten years. Like, you can make it happen in a moment. And sometimes God does do that. Like, like we see in the scriptures God do that pretty consistently. Moses, as he was leading the people out of slavery, approached the Red Sea. They needed a suddenly. And the Pharaoh was coming from behind them, 
Many of you know the story if you're new to church. God parts the Red Sea and they walk through on dry land. That's impressive. That's a suddenly. We see uh, as they're wandering through the desert, God brings water from a rock instantly. That's supernatural and powerful. But then we have guys like Noah. Hey, Noah, I want you to build a boat in the middle of the desert. Mind you, it had never rained from the sky before that point. The, the, The Bible says that the earth was watered from the ground up. So he's telling Noah, hey, some, something's coming called rain. I'm going to flood this place. And Noah's like, we're in the desert. And you want me to build a boat. 70, about 72 years of building, of being mocked, laughed at, ridiculed. How many of you guys know that at some point one day I was like, Lord, I do not know. Is this, I'm 50 years in. <laughs> Think about that. It was a process. We, we, see, uh, we see Jericho, right? God suddenly brings the walls down. But it wasn't just a suddenly. It was, it, was, it was a process before that. They had to march around, you know, march around, let out a shout. There, there, there was a process that, that, that God was, was using. God was teaching them some things. I think about uh, the patriarchs of the faith, like, like Abraham and, and, and Moses and, and the prophets. They had promises of the Messiah to come, and they never got to see that day. But what was so interesting is while they were waiting, they let the promise shape them, transform them, move them, really do some heart surgery on them as they're holding on to the promises of God in the waiting. And it shaped them to such a degree that they had a tremendous impact on their generation and ours because we're still reaping those benefits because somebody had to go through a process. And so I just think a lot of times, I mean, we, we don't like to stay through. We want things to change up real quick. But I love how Eugene Peterson puts it. And if you're going to be a follower of Christ, you're going to have to get used to the process. Because he says, discipleship is long obedience in the same direction. Long obedience moving in the same direction for a long period of time. Now, I think the reason why this is so difficult is because, again, we live in a quick-fix culture. Even though you and I both know, because we're all mature in here, we know that we should be patient. Like, we all know that. And we can preach that. We need to be patient. I need to be patient. But we're not. (laughs) Because everything around us is moving so quickly. Changing, switching, changing, switching. If it doesn't work, here's a quick fix. Here's a quick fix. Here's a band-aid. Here's a quick fix. Here's... We don't like process anymore. Like even kids are saying microwaves, they can't stand microwaves. Like microwaves are the quickest thing. And it's like, oh, we got to invent something new. Like that's pretty fast. It, it may not taste the best, but it, it's pretty fast. But I think as a result of this quick fix culture, I think the reality is when it comes to breakthrough, a lot of times we buy into certain myths. And that's what I want to talk to you today. I want to talk to you about staying the course. And I want to talk to you about some myths I think that we buy into as a result of the culture that we live in. And the first myth is this. The first myth is that breakthrough, breakthroughs come quickly. That breakthroughs come quickly. And that's what we want and that's kind of what we expect from God. Now, listen, God can do suddenlies, like I said. And the breakthrough may come suddenly. Like, listen, after uh, Noah was building for 72 years, then suddenly it started to rain. 
But there was a process before that suddenly. So God can move suddenly. Breakthroughs can come suddenly, but they don't always come quickly. And many times we are here waiting, waiting in the process. And we, again, we just don't like waiting. Let me prove it to you. Let me give you some stats. Right now, we will wait 13 seconds before we honk at people. Now, now let me preface this. As I was reading through these, I'm like, this is old. Because there's no way, there's no way that we are waiting 13 seconds anymore. I, I, listen, sometimes I have a Toyota Yaris. It takes a moment. And people are still like, uh, uh. I'm like, it just turned green. It's like two seconds in. 20 seconds before we shush people who are talking at a movie. 26 seconds uh, before, we, uh, before we take someone's seat who's walked away. <laughs> this one made me laugh out loud. I'm like, people stock seats. And now it's like five minutes when you were up. It was like five seconds. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like trying to get a seat at Costco in the, in the, the, uh, the food area. It's no joke. Uh, we have 13 minutes for a table at a restaurant. We're all guilty of this. You know when you call and it's like, hey, it's going to be a 20-minute wait. We're like, that's way too long. We're not going there. Who's running this place? Uh, 20 minutes before a blind date to show up before we leave. Not, now, listen, I said ladies on this one, five. Give him five. Because if he's on time, he's already late. So you, you got to add that into the equation. And then 20 minutes for the last person to show up for Thanksgiving before we eat. That's a lie. But we, we don't like to wait. That's the bottom line. We don't like to wait. There's a frust- we get frustrated. We get frustrated. And, and this is what happens. This is what happens. We get frustrated because a lot of times our process is a little bit broken. Let me, let me show you what I mean by that. A lot of times we start with the desire for breakthrough in a certain area. Like, I, I need breakthrough here in my marriage. I need breakthrough in my walk with God. I need breakthrough in my relationships or my finances or just, you know, just trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. I need breakthrough in this particular area. And then we move from desire to determination. I'm going to do it. I'm going to start the one-year Bible. I'm going to join a small group. Like, I'm, I'm going I'm to jump in. So we, we have a determination that, that we, we want to do it. But then all of a sudden, uh, be it a lack of follow-through, all of a sudden we, we don't see the results that we had expected. Very quickly we get discouraged. Like, well, man, I thought this small group was going to transform my life. Like, man, you've been there one time. You know what I mean? Like, give it a couple semesters. Like, relationship takes time to build. And I think that's why with small groups it's frustrating for people because, and people are, I think, hesitant because we, we don't even have time for relationships anymore. And that's how God has wired us and designed us, to be connected in relationship. It's, it's a huge, it's important. And then, then from, from that place of discouragement, we start to find ourselves in disillusionment. And this is where we say things like, well, God, it seemed like you worked for them, but it doesn't look like you're working for me. We say things like, man, I thought this was important, but it's not impacting me the way that it's impacting that person or changing their life or whatever that case may be. And so, so in this disillusionment, we, we, start to, we start to lose sight of the original vision. We start to lose sight of the desire that God had put in us that something needs to change or we need a breakthrough in an area. And then we just kind of take our hands off the reins a little bit. All of a sudden it's kind of like, uh, I don't know if I really want to show up on Sunday. I don't know if I really want to, you know, go to a worship night. I don't know if I want to, you know, really engage with these people. 
and we start to depart from the path. Because what we thought was going to happen, it's just not playing out that way. Like we had anticipated it working out a certain way. And because it's not, we, we start to throw in the towel. And, and, and from that place, we, we start to go into a place of despair because then you start to still fill the gap between what you really need and how you're living. And so you're starting to feel the tension in, in whatever that is. I think especially when it comes to our walk with God, this is, this is it's so challenging for people today because, um, and, and I'm hoping that this message will, will encourage you to a certain degree, but I think in our walk with God, we just, we don't give it time and space. Like, we, like ample time and space to actually cultivate, to grow. Like you have to leave room for intimacy. Everything can't just be shotgun. Like you got to have some laser beam. Are you tracking with me on that? And so, so I think we, we get disillusioned so quickly when it comes to God. We depart from the path. We start to feel despair because in the despair we start to ask ourselves, what's wrong with me? How come I can't? commit to this, or how come I can't follow through, or God, how come I don't hear you like that person, and, and it just starts to get, we start to get really, really, uh, start to feel this, this sense of despair, and then all of a sudden that despair leads us back to a desire for breakthrough. I, we need breakthrough in this area. We need to, and then the cycle perpetuates, and a, and, a, and a big part of it is it wasn't because we didn't have a great desire, a great determination, but a lot of times we, we didn't even have a plan. Of like what we were going to do. And so we just bail rather than stay in the course. And I love this passage in Galatians. Paul says it this way. He says, let us not become weary in doing good. But in order to become weary in doing good, you have to first be doing good for a long period of time. Like, like there, there has to be some type of, some, some type of a target that, that we're aiming for. Um, I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say it. So I give everybody a challenge in the beginning of this series. To spend 15 minutes in the morning in prayer. 15 minutes in the afternoon, or at lunch, 15 minutes in the afternoon, and 15 minutes before you go to sleep. I'm not going to ask how many people took me up on that. But my heart behind it was you have to develop rhythms. And if you don't have a plan of doing good, it's so easy in our day not to. It may sound rigid, and you may say, that, man, that is ridiculous. You know, I talk to more married couples about intimacy and they plan everything else. And if intimacy is lacking in their marriage, this is what's so crazy. Why do we plan where we're going to go have fun, but we don't plan intimacy? Like, why do, why do we not plan the things that are actually really important? And, could actually, and, and if we got a, a healthy plan, could be, you know, because all the plan says is I'm being intentional with my time. And if we're not intentional with our time with God, I promise the world and the enemy will love to suck that up. On so many different levels. That one was for free. But he says, at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So listen, just don't throw in the towel. Maybe you don't need to change directions. Maybe you just need to tweak your process a little bit. And understand that you may not be um, in a subtle, sudden moment of breakthrough. You may be in a process. And invite God into that process and say, Lord, what do you want to do in me? What do you need to tweak? What do you need to adjust? What plan do I need to get in place? What discipline do I need in my life to be fruitful in this area? And I know like discipline is, you know, today it's a bad word. But the Bible says that he who despises discipline is a fool. Because the discipline, once it's instituted and it's moving you towards Christ, it's moving you toward the area that, 
you need breakthrough in, all of a sudden that discipline, when you start to see God move, will turn into a delight. But I'm telling you, we got to be people who are disciplined today because there's so much stuff swirling around us. It's so easy to give up, but we'll reap a harvest if we don't. And so I, I love this quote from the Atomic Habit a book. He says that goals are good for setting direction, but systems are best for making progress. And so it's like, man, okay, Lord, um, you put the solar system into being. There's a process of how our universe works. And, I mean, and we're grateful for that process because if that process was not in place, we would all burn up because the sun, if it got any closer, we would burn. Or we'd all freeze because if it got any further, we would freeze to death. But there's a process. There's a system that God has put into place that causes us to live uh, in such a way where we can breathe and we can enjoy our life, even though it was cold this morning. Like, where's the sun? Um, are you guys tracking with me? So we cannot grow weary in well-doing. The second thing is this. The second myth we believe is that breakthroughs come passively. They come passively. Like, you might have heard this. I'm just, gonna, I'm, just, I'm just waiting. Awesome. But what are you doing in the waiting? Because if there's one thing that I've learned in my time with God, I'm never the guy that gets us suddenly all the time. I'm the guy that always has a process. Right? Like God says, you need to learn something here. But what I've learned is in the waiting, there's so much shaping, there was so much forming that your waiting doesn't have to be wasted. And so many times we're just, we're just waiting, but we're wasting that time hoping that something is just going to break. But I, I want to look at the farmer. Jesus always used agriculture because it was spoke to their day, but I think it speaks to ours too. One of the things that I love about farmland is, especially when you're driving down Highway 5, isn't Highway 5 so pretty? But, hey, some of you guys are like, but you catch these moments when you, when you see these groves. And have you ever looked at how, how much in alignment all of those, the groves are? Isn't, I mean, it blows my mind. There's so much intention behind that. Like a farmer is not just planting a seed and saying, all right, we'll just hope it grows. Just planted some seeds. No, the farmer's doing a, a whole lot. The farmer's going to be up at 4 a.m. in the morning. Not just waiting, but tending. The farmer gets up in the morning. What does he look for? He's looking for color. Or she, she's looking for color. Right? They're, they're looking for clarity. They're looking for stiffness of the crops. They're, they're, they're looking for budding. Because if, if the crops are starting to bud, then it's going to be a great harvest. They're even, listen to this. Farmers even will remove bugs from the crop by their hand. That's how meticulous they are. And so they're, they're not just waiting, they're, they're tending. And so, so my, my question to you today is this, is, is in the waiting, as you're waiting for a breakthrough in that particular area, spiritually, relationally, financially, you just, I just use those because they're big rocks that we all deal with, but you, you, yours may be very specific. My, my question to you is this, not what do you need, what breakthrough do you need? That's not the, the, the thing that I want you to focus on. I want to ask you, what are you doing with it? 84,600 seconds that you get every single day to tend to that area. Like, like what part of your life is, is tending, is inspecting that particular area? Now, you may say, like, I mean, it just seems like such a big task and to start so small, it just doesn't seem worth it. Isn't that true? Like, we want big results, but we hate starting small. 
Like I just said, hey, 15 minutes in the morning. Just 15 minutes. 15 minutes in the afternoon. 15 minutes, 3 o'clock hour. 15 minutes before your bed. But I told you to stand up. Don't lay in bed because you might fall asleep. <laughs> just a rhythm. But you know how many hours you would have spent in prayer if you started that day? To this day, you would have spent probably more time in prayer than you have your whole life. I'm just, I'm just, I'm not judging. I'm just saying on average. <laughs> like just a small step. You say, what, what good can come with small steps? Well, there, there was one little kid. He uh, decided that he was going to sell matchsticks from door to door and just learn how to sell. What good could come? What breakthrough could come from matchsticks door to door? Well, most of us have that furniture in our house purchased from his company called Ikea. But he sold, started selling matchsticks. What, what about this? This little storefront. Uh, it's, it's a cute little storefront. 1964, this little storefront made $8,000. It wasn't much. And, and that day it, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't much. And they stayed the course. They had some trial. They had some air. They were trying to wrestle with stuff. They decided to change their name to Nike. And now, now they make $8,000 every seven seconds. But there was a start. You say, that, well, why are you even, like, talking about this? I'm talking about this as, listen, it's like the world takes the blueprint of Scripture and uses it. And they're getting wealthy. While, while the church is becoming poor off of worldly principles. And so Nike had a great business plan, a blueprint for business. But, but God gives us the, a, the blueprint for life and eternity. Like how much more intentional? How much more should we be staying the course? <laughs> One of the, the cool things about Nike, as I found out, is... Uh, if you were to ask one of their executives, what is the secret to your success? They would, hands down, all of them have four cards in their pocket, and they pull out four cards, and it's, it's a blue card, it's a yellow card, it's a green card, it's a red card. And each one of those represents uh, a scientist, an encourager, a builder, um, a, a specific area or a specific niche on that particular team. And what they'll tell you is this, we don't build, start any department without a team of four that have all of those things. And I thought to myself, listen, the world understands that we are better together. The world understands that we can get a whole lot more accomplished when we gather together in unity. And it's like, sometimes it's like pulling teeth, trying to get people to sign up for a small group. And God wants to change lives. Right? They're trying to listen. And I'm grateful for Nike. They, you know, put shoes on our, they make good shoes. So I'm not, I'm not knocking on them, but I'm saying I feel like the, the mission of the church is so much greater than that. And it's, it's a biblical principle that we were created for community. We are so much better together. But then we isolate and we don't gather, we don't do life together. And, and God is like, ah, oh, come on. Don't give up. Stay the course. If you had a bad small group experience, who cares? Jump into another one. Stay the course. Keep, keep going. Are you guys tracking with me? So, so, so they have a blueprint for business. God has given us a blueprint for life. And this is what I love about God's blueprint is it's very specific in our time of waiting. This is what, what it says, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that all scripture is God-breathed, speaking of the Bible. And it's useful for teaching, 
for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. What if in the midst of our waiting for our breakthrough, we invited the Lord to say, hey, Lord, where do I need to learn in this area? What do you want to teach me here? I know I want my problem fixed, but listen, maybe you're a gossip, and that's why you have issues in your relationships. And God needs to teach you some things. God needs to rebuke you on some things. We don't want that. We want the breakthrough of relationship, but we don't want to change and allow God to speak to our dysfunction. Right? And so, so, so maybe, maybe there's an area. Could you imagine if you just said, hey, Lord, where do I need some training in this area? Like if my marriage is struggling, don't just pray and wait for a breakthrough. Say, Lord, I, I'm going to learn from your word, your blueprint for life, for my best life on how I'm supposed to treat my wife or my husband. How I'm supposed to live as a single. How I'm supposed to manage and steward my finances. I want to break through my finances. Well, how are you stewarding what you got, what you have? But the reason why we, we kind of shun this, we would all agree with this passage if you're, you know, a follower of Jesus. But we don't embrace it a ton because this passage screams process. It screams, it screams that, man, there is a process to what God wants to do inside of us because who we're becoming is a whole lot more important than where we're going. I love what James says. James says it this way. James says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. How many of you guys want to be mature and complete? Not lacking in anything. That sounds great. But then you got this word perseverance. It's like if you just, you know, finish its work so that you may be mature, just hurry up and get to the breakthrough. God said, yeah, perseverance. And the interesting thing about this word in the Greek, in the original language, it means to come under something. And so many times we're trying to get over something. And God's like, man, just come up under my word, come up under my care, trust me, run the play, stay the course, and see what I do. Not just where you're going or what you need, but see what I do in the midst, in your heart, in the process. My, my, my coach always tells me this. He says, people with ego love results. They're in love with results. People who have a calling are in love with the process. They're in love with the development that, hey, listen, that person may not be totally developed spiritually, but, man, the process, there's a, there's, a, there's a beauty to it that we all hate but we can't avoid. And so if we would embrace it and just come up under what God wants to do, who knows? Who knows? You might get your breakthrough before the breakthrough a whole lot sooner. The last one is this. last one is that breakthroughs come by striving versus abiding. It's a myth that breakthroughs come by striving. I'm just going to try really, really hard to get this. Now, you might be asking, well, you've been telling us to seek and to not be passive, and, and, and that's true. But this is, this is what I need you to know. In all of our seeking, in all of our, you know, pursuing, and all that we're doing, it's not, it's not so that we can get something, but rather it's, it's, it's so that we can know and abide with someone. Let me say that again. That all of our pursuing, all of our tending, all of our seeking, all of our, you know, movement is not just because we're trying to get something. We're not striving to get something. We're, we're, we're striving to know and abide with someone, and his name is Jesus. That's the goal. That's, that's the difference. We're not just striving for our breakthrough. We're striving, we're striving to be with him. Because what you'll find is when you have him and you're in intimate relationship with him, it, it changes the process. 
all of a sudden it's like, man, I, I'm so grateful, even in the midst of the pain. You start to see God move in a way that blows your mind that you would have never been able to experience before. And it forces you to almost just cuddle with the Lord like, oh. Anybody ever been in that place where you're just exhausted? Just like, man, I'm so done with striving. And the Lord's like, come abide with me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the reason why I say that, what's the big deal about knowing him and abiding in him? And Jesus said, this is where fruit is produced. Lasting fruit. Fruit that I'm talking about, I'm talking about Galatians fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I'm talking about fruit that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 1, that, that we get to be a part of, of, of reaching people with the good news of Jesus. I'm talking about the fruit that we're, we're generous with our time, our talents, and our treasure as a result of the transformation that's happened on the inside of us because we're abiding with him. I'm talking about the intimacy with God of all creation. That in and of itself is worth it all. Because if there is intimate communion with Jesus, with the Father, man, you're, when you taste that place, you can't go back to shallow living. It just, it's too sweet. It's, it's too good. But this is how John describes it in John chapter 15. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit for apart from me. You can do and I put a nice big nothing. Apart from you, you can do nothing. But abide, again, we, a lot of times we think about abide in church. Like, I'm just going to abide. Shh. Abide. Abide. But look at what it means. Look what it means. Abide means to remain stable or fixed in a state. But look at the synonyms. Suffering, endurance, tolerate, stand, which means to put up with something trying or painful. Can I tell you, it's not always luxurious to abide. Because unlike, unlike a, a, a branch that's connected to the vine organically, as a follower of Jesus, that has to be cultivated in our life. And that process, it man, it can be painful because there's going to be times you don't want to abide. You don't want to submit. You, you, you don't want to go with his blueprint. And it, it's, it's a fight. And Jesus is saying, listen, stay the course. Don't get away. Just because you don't see how it's working, stay the course. And I love this. He says, then you will bear much fruit. And bear implies the power to sustain without flinching or breaking. In other words, listen, you're going, God is going to produce in your life fruit that's going to last. That you're going to be, fruit that, that's, going to, that, that's not going to break off, that's not going to flinch. Fruit that's going to sustain. It's going to be real. Real fruit. See, machines can produce results. But only a living organism can create or produce fruit. And God wants you to have lasting fruit. But the way that that comes, this abiding, it, it only comes through both union and communion with God. And that's why he always references us in, in different illustrations. Like, for example, God references us as uh, the, the, the bride of Christ, as his church. The groom and the bride. 
Because, see, the marriage instantly, it, it creates the union, but then there's love, consistent love and consistent devotion that cultivates the communion, the abiding. He uses an example like sheep and shepherd. You know, sheep, the shepherd brings into the fold, but then there's a process of the sheep learning to hear the shepherd's voice, trusting the shepherd while they're out in the fields. There's, there's a process. There's, 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 there's even a tug of war sometimes in that. There's a, there's a tension. There's a strive. There's a, uh, not a striving. Uh, there's, 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 some, there's some pain. There's, there's some, some difficulty because parts of us, like we've been talking about this whole series, are dying to ourselves so that we can abide in the vine. And this is the picture that he gives us, not just sheep, not just a bride, but the vine and the branches. What's so special to me is when you do some homework on the vine, here in our region, we're wine country. It doesn't feel like it sometimes, but we're actually wine country. But man, when you look at a branch in the holy land that's mature, connected to the vine, you can't just break that thing off easily without hurting the vine because they're so grafted. They're so connected. It, there, there's, there, there's a maturity there that you just can't easily separate it from the vine. And, and I think that the, the beauty of this illustration is so beautiful, but it's also a, a, a extremely frustrating. Because if you know anything about vineyards, you'll know that by the time a vintner plants the, a, a vine... It's about three years before they see the first cluster of grapes. It's about four, year before they get, four years before they get their first harvest. It's about eight years before they crack their first bottle of wine. It's about 18 years before they actually get a return on their investment. And then the beauty of it, though, is that vineyard can go on producing for 40-plus years. And so anybody can plant a crop, but somebody who's planting a vineyard is looking at longevity is looking at fruit that's going to last from generation to generation. And I know sometimes we, we, we look at our life and it's like, oh, we're frustrated because we're not seeing the results that we want. We're trying to figure out like, oh, my goodness, I want to see things happen faster. And the Lord is saying, listen, that, all that stuff's going to come in time. You got to chop wood. You got to carry water. You gotta chop wood. You gotta care why to come up under my process because all the pruning, all the tending, all, all the waiting is all for one purpose fruitfulness. Fruitfulness that will last for eternity. So, listen, I know that doesn't change your waiting period, but if you would make a decision today and say, Lord, I'm going to contend for breakthrough. I contend for suddenlies. Don't get me, don't get it twisted. I want God to move quickly in areas. But the timing is up to him. My job is to contend and submit in the process. Listen, if you don't, if you, if you've been struggling in your intimacy with God abiding, can I just encourage you? I used to be against reading plans until I realized that it gave me a plan. And all of a sudden, I found myself reading through passages of Scripture that I never would gravitate on my own. God was speaking to me in different ways, in different areas. And I was like, man, I would have never just read this, but because it's part of the plan. Now, the plan, you're not stuck to it. You can work the plan in the one-year Bible, then read the book of Revelation if you want to. Like, there's no boundaries. But, but, 
the, the reality is this, that we have intentional times, laser beam times, where we're giving God ample time. Can I just tell you, the Bible says that in the last days, people will be eating, drinking, and marrying, just going about their life, and the day of the Lord, of his return, will come suddenly. Suddenly. And he says, don't get it twisted. God is not delaying. God is just longing that more people would come to repentance. But listen, that day is coming. And I want to make sure that we're preparing in the process. Process is not our enemy. Who we're becoming is far greater than simply what we're going to do or where we're going to go. God wants to cultivate real life and fruit in us. And it only comes through abiding. And ladies and gentlemen, if this is the last sermon I ever preach, I'm telling you this. This is the secret. This is the secret to breakthrough. If you don't abide, you won't produce fruit. If you do, you will.